Welcome to the Revelation Church podcast. We trust today's message will speak to you. If you'd like to get in touch, just drop us an email at hello at revelationchurch.org.uk. So we're going to take communion during the sermon at some point. Um, and uh, I've called today's message, Thinking in Years. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. Thinking in years. Today is a day we're all here today because of Jesus to celebrate him. Maybe you don't know him personally, but you're here to find out more. Maybe you know people that are believers, you're here to find out more. Many of us here do know Jesus personally. We're here to celebrate him. We're here to celebrate his resurrection, that he rose from the dead. But also many of us are here today also with a kind of a subtext of a, of a, a number of years. Whether that's 15 years as a member of Rev, where we're celebrating God's kindness and mercy and faithfulness to us over 15 years as a, as a local church. Whether you're here for one year, the Tottenham guys, and um, you're celebrating God's faithfulness and kindness and mercy to you over the, over the time that you guys have been separate from Rev in that sense and, and, and running as, as your own congregation. And so this, years are in the air today, okay? We're thinking years Years of what we're thinking about, we're celebrating, we've got anniversaries that we are considering. Now I want to read to you from Deuteronomy chapter 34, which is the final chapter in the book of Deuteronomy. So please do turn to it in your Bibles. Um, don't hear much rustling these days, people are mostly pressing buttons. But um, Deuteronomy is the Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, book number five, the final book of the Pentateuch, uh, and it's the final chapter of the final book of the Pentateuch, Deuteronomy chapter 34. I'm going to read to you, it's only, a, it's only a short chapter, 12 verses, I'm going to read that chapter to you, and we're going to think, you'll learn about thinking in years today. Then Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo, to the top of Pisgah, which is opposite Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land, Gilead as far as Dan, all Naphtali, the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah as far as the western sea, the Negev and the plain, that is the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees, as far as Zoar. And the Lord said to him, this is the land of which I swore to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob. I will give it to your offspring. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you shall not go over there. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord, and he buried him. He buried him. In the valley in the land of Moab, opposite Beth Peor, but no one knows the place of his burial to this day. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eye was undimmed and his vigor unabated. And the people of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. And the days of weeping and mourning for Moses were ended. And Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. So the people of Israel obeyed him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. And there has not arisen a prophet since in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. None like him for all the signs and the wonders that the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his servants and to all his land, and for all the mighty power and all the great deeds of terror that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the treasures in your word. We pray, Lord, as we uh, unearth the treasures in your word today, touch our hearts. I pray, Lord, touch our hearts. I pray, Lord, renew our minds. I pray, Lord, lift burdens that are not from you. 
I want to pray, Lord, that you administer to us by your spirit through your word. I want to pray that we would meet with God in the Bible. Lord, we welcome you. We love your presence. We honour you. Thank you. You are our teacher. You are our instructor. You are our guide. You are our counsellor. We look to you. We say, teach us, Lord, we pray. Help me as I speak to speak well in the way that honours you and represents you well. Help those who listen to hear what you are saying. Give discernment, sharpness, protect us from confusion and getting the wrong end of a stick. We want to pray for a spiritual protection around us, Lord, to hear your words today. In Jesus' name, you all said. Amen. Amen. So how old was Moses when he died? 120. Now, I don't know if you know this, but you can, you can carve Moses' life up quite neatly into three chunks of 40. The first 40 years of his life were spent in privilege. The second 40 years of his life were spent in obscurity. Okay, Because he was 40 when he murdered the Egyptian and tried to deliver the people of Israel from Egypt in his own power. He was 40 years old, we're told, when that happened. And then he was chased out. Um, in that sense, ran, had to flee Egypt in fear of Pharaoh. But he'd spent his first 40 years brought up in the palace in privilege. He then finds himself in the Midian wilderness for the next 40 years. We don't know, we don't know what happened in that 40 years, other than he, was, he, was, uh, he became a shepherd. But total obscurity. <clears throat> and I'm sure a sense of what was all that about, what was, you know, he had a sense of, of in his heart, of destiny to deliver his people but it failed so 40 years of just wandering just doing what he had to do but that but that sense in his heart of what God had put in his heart no just total obscurity and then here's the thing how would you describe the third 40 years of Moses life it's a very interesting thing because you could describe it in two ways you could say this you could say the third 40 years of Moses life from the age of 80 when God appeared to him in the burning bush to to 120 when he died was his destiny. That was the era of fruitfulness and miracles. Am I right? Face-to-face encounters with God. Glory. We could also say this. The third 40 years of Moses' life was spent in the wilderness, in frustration, and in a context of lots of judgment going on. Am I right? So which one was it? Well, it was both. It was both. And sometimes, you see, we can oversimplify life. We can make it something that's one-dimensional or two-dimensional, when actually life is very, very rich and multi-layered. That's that, that last third of Moses' life, from 80 to 120, were in some respects the most glorious years of his life, far and away. Also the hardest, I would have imagined. Just read through, read through Exodus. Read through Leviticus, the numbers, find the, the tests, the opposition that he faced. The grief, the anger that he felt. And see the fruit, extraordinary fruit. See the miracles. It's a very powerful and important thing for us to consider. We've got to learn to think in years. One of my observations at, at, at Rev is that very often someone will start a service or a prayer meeting or something with, I don't know what kind of week you've had. That's the sign of a young church. <laughs> That's the sign of a young church. That's how you know you're in a young church. People think in weeks. The older you get, you start thinking more in months and then you start thinking in years. 
things become familiar. Like I used to get excited when the, when the days would start getting longer and lighter again. Anyone get excited in those moments? It's exciting still, but it feels really, oh, I've been here before. Like loads of, like loads of, time, loads of times. So it's cool, but it's like, oh, it's a bit sober. I'm thinking in years more and more. And I feel like God put a burden on my heart for this special day for us, for you guys in Tottenham, celebrating your one year, us guys at Rev 15. To learn to, we've got to learn to think in years. We've got to learn to think in years because otherwise you, what you end up doing is if you think in weeks or you think in months, you look at every wave that comes in and you try to gauge which direction the tide is coming in by which, what the wave is doing. It's madness. You ever tried to do that? Any, any, any coastal nerds in the house? I'm a coastal nerd. I could literally sit on a beach and just look at, look at watch waves for hours. And here's my observation. It's really nerdy. The very often when the tide's going out, in that process, you see some real big ones come in. And you go, oh, maybe it's switched. Maybe it's turned. No, it hasn't. It's just a big wave. The individual waves do not always represent the general tide. When you think in weeks, you're looking at every wave. When you think in months, it can be similar. When you start thinking in years, it's a very different dynamic. It's completely different. And there's something about maturity and thinking in years. And I want to just essentially make two points in today's message. But before we do that, there's something lovely I want to show you. Before, and we're going to take communion now. Because it just says these two wonderful things that I want to draw your attention to when we're thinking about Jesus. You've got to look for everyone in the Bible and see Jesus. We're going to look through Moses and see Jesus today. Look through Joshua and see Jesus later. You always got to find Jesus. He's the goal, right? If your sermon doesn't get to Jesus, it wasn't a sermon. I don't know what it was, but it wasn't a sermon. It has to get to Jesus. Notice here this fascinating thing. Notice that it says, no one knew where he was buried. You notice that? No one knows the place of his burial to this day. Exactly the same in Jerusalem when you go and find the tomb of Jesus. You know that? There might be people that claim, oh, it's here or it's there. No one knows where Jesus is buried. Why? Because after three days, it was an irrelevance. You'll find people, thank you, Rich. You'll find people, all of that was meant to be an exciting point. Um, <clears throat> doesn't always work, these things, but it's fine. You will find all around the world, people visit the tombs of prophets, the tombs of people, sages, the tombs of wise, wise people, the tombs of this, the tombs of that. And it's a big deal. It is never a big deal to visit the tomb of Jesus. No one knows where it is. Why? Because after three days, it was a complete irrelevance because he'd risen from the dead. Amen. Hallelujah. It should stir your soul. It should stir your soul. There is the similarity in the passage, but here's the difference. Here we are told that God buried Moses. In the New Testament, we're told that God raised Jesus. Hallelujah. Every week here is a gospel week. Every week here is a bread and wine week. We, we gather to this extraordinary Savior who has done it. That's the gospel. The gospel is God has done it. Right? That is the good news. That's why it's good news. Because it's not, why aren't you doing it? Or just try harder, or pray more, or fast more, or do whatever more, or give more alms, and maybe who knows. That's, that is not good news. That doesn't bring joy. That just brings a sense of, okay, I'll try, but who knows where, who knows where we're going to go. The good news is, in Jesus, God has done it. The work has been done. The debt has been paid. The obstacles have been cleared out of the way. A way has been made for men and women to be reconciled to God as a free gift through the work of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Don't we love him? 
We love him. You've got these strange little things in your hand. If Jesus is your Lord, why don't you peel open just the top bit here? It's basically the lid's on like two levels. I'm not trying to be patronizing, but I, I, I was in mystery land for the first couple of weeks. But where the heck's the bread, you know? And uh, then I noticed, well, maybe it wasn't two weeks, but it was, a, it was a bit of a, I wasn't instantly aware. So you peel off the top and you've got your wafer here. We take communion in all kinds of different ways stylistically, but today I want us to hold the bread aloft in just a moment. And we're going to say together, broken for our healing. Okay, His body was broken so we could be made whole. Hallelujah. It's extraordinary. You must never get tired of the message. Never get weary of the message. Has everyone managed to open their lids? Sorry, my faith. Send yours out with a little one when they were being distributed. Does anyone else need one? I didn't get one. Okay, cool. So you've got your bread. Jesus said that when, when he's lifted up, he would draw men to himself. He wasn't talking about being praised. He was talking about on the cross. That's what he was talking about. The context was his crucifixion, lifted up on the cross. When, I, when the Son of Man is lifted up, he will draw all men to himself. Men from every tribe, every tongue, every nation, he will draw to himself. Hallelujah. Let's raise up this bread symbolically. Jesus lifted up on the cross. And let's say together, broken for our healing. Broken for our healing. Someone would just like to come and just lead us in a short prayer, focusing on the broken body of Jesus for our healing. That'd be great. There's a microphone here you can use. Or from your chair, if that's too scary, that's fine. But just maybe lead us in a short prayer, thanking Jesus for his broken body. Amen. Amen. Let's uh, thank you, Mama Shanti. If you want to peel the next bit, to get to the get to the uh, juice here. I sometimes have trouble with this bit, to be honest with you. Yeah, I'm in trouble. <laughs> Anyone else have trouble with this? A few. It's a funny old game, isn't it? Be able to get a little bit out. Oh, thanks, Mark. Oh, that's very kind of you. Thank you. <laughs> the Bible says that without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. Without the shedding of blood, you think why? Because blood represents life in the Bible. The life is in the blood, and the wages of sin is death. And so, the blood being poured out, it speaks of this life being poured out. It's death. Why? The wages of sin. Hallelujah. We haven't got to worry about. 
whether we're good enough for God, who've been delivered from all of that. We know there is one who is good enough, and he died in our place. This is wonderful news, isn't it? Let's never get over it. I'd love us to drink this, before we drink this wine, this juice together, to just say together, poured out for our forgiveness. Poured out for our forgiveness. Let's drink. Maybe someone could just lead us in praise and prayer about Christ's blood. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I want to make two short points from, from, this, from this thing. I've probably made about five already, but they were hidden. So, preacher's trick. Um, we're told that. Listen to this. Listen to this. 120 years old when he died, his eye was undimmed and his vigor unabated. Don't you love that? His eye was undimmed and his vigor unabated. Now, I guess they were talking physically here on, 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 on that level, but it takes us, it takes us beyond that. And, and as I was thinking about it, preparing for the sermon, the scripture that came to mind was in 2 Corinthians 3, where it talks about being changed from one degree of glory to another. He finished his race in great shape. It's a wonderful thought. It's a wonderful thing to meditate upon. He finished his race in really good shape. He had as much, he saw, if we want to think about it spiritually, and thinking about ourselves as those who are loving the Lord and looking to run our race to finish our race with a clearer view of Jesus than ever and with, as, and with more zeal for him than we've ever had. How about that? How about that? We serve a God who is very zealous. You know that the Bible describes him as a consuming fire. You want to see, Lord, make me more like Jesus. The Bible says about Jesus that zeal for God's house consumed him. It's a zealous God. We all know what Jesus said to the church that was lukewarm, right? It's strong words. Can't really tolerate this kind of in and out. Be one or the other. There's a promise here in the scripture that as we behold him, we'll become more and more like him. As we look to him, and this is the story of Moses, right? He spent time up the mountain, remember? And when he came down, he had to cover his face with a veil because people couldn't look on his face because of the glory. Why? Because he'd been in the very presence of God. And God spoke things like, he said things like, when I speak to a prophet, I speak in dreams and visions. Not so with Moses. With Moses, it's face to face, as a friend. Extraordinary intimacy and extraordinary closeness. And I want, to, I want to put to you that that was Moses' secret. He loved the presence of God. And, and nothing but the presence of God would do. Do you remember that moment in the story where God says, I'm not going with you lot anymore. You're literally doing my head in. I'll send an angel. You'll get into the land still. I'll send an angel, but I can't go because of the way you are. I'm going to just break out on, on you in judgment. It's just, you're, you're too much. What did Moses say? If your presence doesn't go with us, we're not going. 
it's a great land. I'm sure the angel's glorious, but we want you. We want your presence. It's you that we long for. And the presence of God is the prize of salvation. It's not, there, are, there are many blessings. There are many blessings to being saved. Hallelujah. That God restores your life. He, he renews your mind. He fixes up your broken heart. I mean, there are so many treasures and wonders of salvation. He adopts you as his own and he provides for you. Hallelujah. But the prize is his very presence. The prize is that we have, we have access to the presence of God 24-7. More than that, that he actually indwells us by his spirit. So the Bible says our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. That's extraordinary. Your body, your, your lowly body, the Bible describes it as a tent. It says one day you're going to get a house, your new body. He calls this a tent. And yet God, God loves to dwell in tents when it's people. We have the presence of God. But if we're thinking in years, I also want to say this. There'll be tough years. There'll be years where you feel yes, less glorious than the year before. Listen, let me just, I just want to square with you. I want to be honest with you. Listen to what Paul says at one moment in his life about his ministry in the, in the second letter to the Corinthians. Listen to this. He says, We don't want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. We were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. He's being very honest with them. He's not trying to be the leader that never shows any vulnerability. He's saying, we were in bits. We were in real trouble in Asia. We got to the point where we thought, what's the point? I can't go on anymore. But he understood what was going on in it. He says, he says that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on what? God, who raises the dead. When you go through those seasons where you come to the end of yourself, where you think, I can't go on, God's got a purpose in it. God has got a plan in it. It's to draw you into ever deeper fellowship with him and reliance upon him. But I'm not going to lie to you and say, oh, it won't last more than a week. Sometimes there are seasons like that that last a long time. And the timing of God and the seasons of God are mysterious things. And there's nothing worse than when you're in a winter to try and make it a spring. It's just tiring, and then when you've finished all your efforts, it's still winter. Okay? It's the way it goes. There are sovereign seasons that you simply have to sit in and wait on God to bring a new season along. It's not passive. You wait on God. It's active. You still draw near to him, but you know you can't change the season that it is. But when the spring comes, and then the summer comes, your eyes will be brighter than they were before you entered that autumn and winter. And your zeal for God will be greater than it's ever been. Because it's supernatural. It's the work of the resurrection. It's new life in you by the Holy Spirit. But it's real, folks. It's real. We've got to learn to think in years. We've got to learn to, just, to be sober, to just recognize, do you know what? God's plan for us is glorious. That if we, if we trust him, then as individuals and as churches... We will go from one degree of glory to another. Do you believe that? Yeah. It's so important that we allow that to sink in, but that we think in years. And when we find ourselves in a tight spot spiritually, that we, sit, that we just sit there. You know, sometimes the Holy Spirit will give us reasons. This is why. There's something for us to do. Maybe we've, maybe we've made bad choices. Sometimes it's, like, sometimes it's not. It's just silence. But it's God saying, just sit tight. I'm going to teach you to trust me more deeply than you ever have. 
And when you come out, you will see my faithfulness. And you will sing of my faithfulness. And you will testify of my faithfulness. And brothers and sisters, if any of you are in those seasons right now, let me assure you, he is faithful. And he will bring you through. Because he is committed to you on a covenant level. He cannot let you go. He cannot. Because it's impossible for God to do one thing, the Bible says, and that's what? Lie. He's faithful. Let's be honest, over the last 15 years, there would have been high, high moments at Rev and low moments at Rev. You've got to be honest about it. There would have been prayers answered and prayers still yet to be that at times can leave your heart sick. Be honest. It's not, it's not, it's not mountaintops the whole time. It's a journey. God has done some great things. We're going to hear some testimonies later. Well, if some of you testify, <laughs> it's going to be spontaneous. So we'll see what happens. Um, it's planned, but we haven't, we haven't teed anyone up. So hopefully we'll hear some of the ways that God has used this church to bring blessing. Hallelujah. But we've also walked through some tough spots as well, haven't we? The last couple of years haven't been easy. But look around. Guess what? We're still here. Praise God for his faithfulness. Amen. Second point. Final point. After Moses comes Joshua. Thinking in years. I love this. It just says, it's, 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 it's quite. Uh, listen to it. It says, So, and the people of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. So, so they, they wept. They, 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 do you, we are probably one of the worst nations in the world at grieving. Aren't we? Let's be honest. We feel shameful for grieving. We feel embarrassed when we're grieving. No, no, no. Listen, we've got to learn how to grieve better and better. And we've got to learn how to rejoice better and better. It's called being emotionally healthy. It's called being a human. Okay? We've got to learn these things. We're going to have to do a bit of dancing later. I think is, there, is there a DJ? I heard there's a DJ. Is there a DJ? Is that a rumour? There was a few. It went silent. I thought I made that up. But... I'm going to do some dancing. It's a celebration. I'm going to dance. I'm going to, I love dancing, as you saw earlier, if you want to call it that. But <laughs> it's a celebration. It's a celebration. It's a happy day. It's a happy day. I wanted to watch a really good boxing match last night. I felt God saying, no, not tonight, son. Just, just sit and remember the last 15 years. Oh, yeah. What was I thinking? And just found myself saying, you know, great is your faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness. Any faithfulness is in my heart is only a work of your grace. Great is your faithfulness. He is faithful. He is good. So they grieve, but <laughs> it's great. Listen, they grieve. And then the days of weeping for Moses ended. And then and Joshua was full of the spirit and wisdom. It's like, whoa, okay, we've moved on. Yeah, yeah, they've moved on. Why they moved on? Here's why they've moved on. Because, because no one is indispensable in the kingdom of God. Amen. Hey, Dove, say to yourselves, I'm not indispensable, but God still loves me. Turn to someone in the room and say, you're not indispensable. This, 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 but God still loves you. This train of children tells me my sermon's gone on too long. That's the only way I know. Children are walking back in. Okay, I've got to get, all right, one minute. Can I have one minute? All right, listen, 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 listen. We are told that Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom. Why? For Moses has laid his hands on him. 
Moses had invested in Joshua. Do you know how long Joshua was apprenticing with Moses? About 40 years. Moses had invested in him. Say invested. I've got to do a lot of repeat and call and respond now because all the kids come in. I'm going, oh, aren't they cute? So I've got to keep your attention somehow. Okay. It wasn't, it wasn't just Moses made room for him. Yeah, I'm going to be gone soon. And, you know, be, no, he invested, laid hands on him. They were together. There was an investment. All of you that consider yourself the old guard, Rev old guard, and even Tottenham old guard, because some of you are newer than others at the Tottenham church. If you are old guard, I want to know who are you investing in? Who are you investing in? Because it's not going to end with you. It's not going to end with us. The kingdom of God will go on through anointed men and women that aren't us. Amen? Amen. So old God must be investing in, from the earliest years, investing in others who will pick up the mantle when you run out of energy. Who are you investing in? God, this is like, this is, there's a river that runs from the throne of God. It's not a pond. So that means that, that means that it flows into us and then out from us into others. I want to urge the Moseses, Moseses in the room, the old guard, men and women, those from Tottenham that have been around from the earliest days. Who are you investing in? <laughs> who are you investing in? Come on in, guys. Great to have you back. We've only got another half an hour of the sermon and we're done. So it was a minute if I was lying. <laughs> Finally, a word to those of you at the younger end of things, at the newer end of things. Whether you're new to Rev or new to Tottenham, be a Joshua. Be a Joshua. Learn to, learn to be around those who are more mature in the faith than you, who've been around longer than you. Ask them questions. Be annoying. Learn. Find out. Stick to people. Say, teach me how to pray. Teach me how to be bold in God. Show me how to do what you do. Be proactive. Be a learner. Be a Joshua. Because as, as the old God invests in the new God, and the new God uh, connect to the old God, guess what? We are assuring our future. We are assuring that whatever iteration, shape it takes, or the name of the church, that's all stuff is by the by, but, but we invest for the sake of the kingdom of God in the future and the glory of Jesus in the city and to the nations. Amen? Amen. 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 I heard a young amen. Who said that young amen? Amen. 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 We're going we're gonna to sing a couple of praise, praise songs to the Lord. So if the band could come up. Should we say thank you to the band that's serving us so well today?